Hello, everyone. You have Jake and Seth here today, and we are going to be discussing the 2008 hit comedy, Tropic Thunder, starring, and just bear with me, this is an all-star cast, but I got to go through it, Ben Stiller as Doug Speedman, Jack Black as Jeff Portnoy, Robert Downey Jr. as Kirk Lazarus, Nick Nolte, Steve Coogan, Jay Baruchel, Danny McBride, Brandon T. Jackson, Bill Hader, Matthew McConaughey, Tom Cruise, as well as cameos by Tobey Maguire, Martin Lawrence, Jason Bateman, Lance Bass, Alicia Silverstone, just goes on and on. And then uh, it's also co-written by Justin Theroux, who I think everyone knows, and also co-wrote Iron Man 2. But... uh, And it was directed by Stiller. It it has one of the most star-studded casts I can remember. It, uh, I I think it made decent money at the box office. It was very well-reviewed. It it definitely had some controversy, which we'll dive into. Yeah, it made 195 against a 92 million budget. I know we usually say two and a half, but from everything I've read, this was considered successful, so they must have made some money on it. Um, Yeah, that's Tropic Thunder. Seth, before we dive into the movie... What what were your thoughts? What do you remember about this movie? Um, it's definitely interesting to watch a movie more than like 10 years old, especially comedies. If it's like more than 10 years old, you're always just like, all right, what's going to be dated? What's going to come across like well still? And um, I think this movie has a little bit of a mix of both, although I was a little bit surprised at what I personally found dated and what I personally found like still relevant, I guess. And um, so, like... I, I guess overall, though, I'll say I still think the movie's really funny, and it's a very meta comedy, and I think it kind of works because you, because you have all these, like, you just listed the cast. It's a pretty star-studded bunch of people, but it's like they're all sort of making fun of big-budget Hollywood movies in different ways. Uh, in particular, Stiller is basically, basically satirizing the entire Vietnam War genre of movies. Uh, but then if you kind of, if you look at each individual character... Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is sort of like doing a satire on very serious actors. Uh, Stiller is doing a satire on, on like the Stallone, Schwarzenegger actors. The Cruises. Uh, yeah, the Cruises, exactly. And it's like there's sort of like this breakdown of each character in terms of like what this is sort of like making fun of on a meta level. I think like I don't know if everyone's tapping into that when they watch a comedy in a movie theater, but I enjoyed that aspect of it, I guess. I think it's one of the beauties of the like the Al Pacino character is is pretty layered. Even the the Jeff maybe not Jeff Portnoy, the Jack Black. So Brandy T. Jackson's Al Pacino. Quick breakdown on the character. I, we'll go into the character shortly. Um, but you talking about dated and not dated. One of the things Liza and I always talk about. We always joke about. We love The Office, and we say how it probably couldn't be made today. And that's something even the. I think Steve Carell has said, and the writers, it, it's just that the comedy wouldn't work today, or that it probably, not that it wouldn't work, we're laughing at it, but that it would, it's not PC. And one of the things here, there's several things here, but the two main ones are Simple Jack, uh, Ben Stiller, playing a Forrest Gump like character, but they dropped the R bomb all over the place. And the other, and there's also Al Pacino, who is a closeted, uh, homosexual, which not that that's that that's not as crazy, but there's definitely they might probably handle him a little more sensitively today than than they did 
Ben. And the biggest one is Robert Downey Jr. in blackface for the film. Well, yeah, I would like to me the two big controversies were the the Downey Jr. as Lazarus and uh, Stiller doing the t- doing sort of like the simple Jack uh, impression. I just want to and, clarify, I didn't mean I didn't mean to put the Al Pacino closeted home. I, th- that wasn't as big a. Controversy. I agree with what you're saying. That we, yeah, they don't handle that quite as well, but like if they're talking about controversies with those movies, it's definitely those two characters. I want to say. Um, yeah, but um, like. It, I don't think it could be made today now. Even then, it was a little bold. I remember yeah. I remember it was like when it came out, people kind of laughed and scratched their head. Keep in mind, 2008 was still pretty PC. Like it, where we came from the nine, like the 90s, it was much better. But I remember it kind of worked. And I think it was because I didn't feel like there was a big outcry from African-American celebrities at the time. But, well, so here's my take on both these controversies. And I'm going to try to be as succinct about this as I can. Hey, take your time. The, the re- so it's like, I actually am okay with both of them. I'm okay with Downey Jr. doing a, this like semi-blackface thing and, and playing the Kirk Lazarus character. And I'm also okay with Stiller using the R word and portraying Simple Jack. And that is because I don't think that the joke is on African-Americans or... Uh, Dis- disabled, you know, mentally, with yeah, anyone with a handicap or disability. I don't think that's what the joke. The joke is on actors that take themselves, so, you know, for Downey, the joke's on actors that take themselves so seriously they think they can method act themselves into being an African American. That's the joke with the character. It's not about. It's not a joke on black people. It's a joke on white actors, like people like Daniel Day Lewis or you know Robert De Niro, Leo DiCaprio, people that take themselves so seriously they think they can method themselves into another skin color or something. I think that's a very funny joke, <laughs> and uh, I also think the way Downey Jr. plays the character and his language and all of his mannerisms are like pretty hilarious. Um, then with Simple Jack, I don't think it's quite as as funny. I think what Downey does is actually kind of amazing, but. With Stiller, he's not making fun of people with mental disabilities. He's making fun of an actor that goes too far with portraying that. He's making fun of Sean Penn. I think it's really for the most part he's making fun of Sean Penn. But it's like the the joke is not on on people with disabilities. The joke is on actors who portray those people, like Sean Penn. The other one I would say is Meryl Streep and Nell. I think went a little too far. Uh, there's a couple, I mean, uh, Robin Williams. I don't know if Jack counts, but it's like, you know, there's there's actors that try to do things with people with, you know, Forrest Gump, I, I, you know, it's a little dated at this point. I mean, that guy won an Oscar for that role. <laughs> Where I'm going with this, though, is like, I don't think that, like, I think as long as the joke, the subject of the joke is, the, is on the right person, then I think the joke is fine with me. I agree, and... You put it more succinctly than I would have. And one of the things I was doing to get ready for this was looking into the controversy. And one of the things that surprised me when I put in the Robert Downey Jr. blackface, I guess it's a recent trend. Uh, the, the article was something like woke liberals, some being made fun of. The idea was that these younger kids or people hear about blackface and obviously your reaction would be that's awful. And they go on and they post and rant about how unjust and awful this is and the article showed the conversations beneath them of people going back and forth and the from this what this article said and the general theme on a lot of these conversations was what you said and this is coming from at least what i could see was predominantly african-americans 
if you can trust their uh, profile picture from this article, but it was, oh, it was, and that's what they said. It was, if you haven't seen the film, you need to see the film to get the joke. They're not making fun of black people. They're making fun of white people who could think they could actually, to right. your point, get themselves into a mindset. This, it was even some more thing that it was, they're making fun of the actors who think they can pretend to be like by putting right. on a different color that makes them a race that, like, yeah, that, that can give them, I, I'm fumbling over myself. It was more succinct. It was to your point. It's not making fun of African-Americans. It's making fun of stupid white actors who think that by they can do this. Like they can whip themselves up into an, into this crazy thing. Exactly. And I actually found, I found, I think Downey is actually the best part of the movie. I think he has the best performance. I found a lot of similarities to sort of what he does in some of the Avengers movies where he's surrounded by a bunch of actors and he's sort of elevating everyone in his scenes and stuff. I think it's a gem of a movie for him. Um, what I actually found dated was like a little bit more of the Jack Black character. And um, I said the same of, thing. Yeah, I said right? the same thing. So he. <laughs> To me, he is an amalgam. He is both the Eddie Murphy playing the same character in multiple roles. To me, he's kind of an yeah. amalgam of the, the comic who hit big. The the comic who became a movie star and then who went soft, like literally and figuratively. Right. And there's also some Belushi and Farley in there. There are I mean, probably some yeah. Sam Kinison. I think they're trying to draw on a lot. And I remember at the time... I was a little dis- – not disappointed is not the right word. I, I, I used to keep notes. I wish I had them. I just remember walking away thinking that I thought he was going to be the third lead, and he just was at a different level. It's Stiller. It's Downey Jr. It's all these side characters we'll get into in a minute. But Jack Black was really a side note. And then upon rewatch, it's really a caricature. And, yes, yeah. you're all stereotypes, but he's really the only one who's a caricature. There's not much redeeming quality to him. He's the one, he's the one person that you're, like – definitely like sort of disappointed at the end he's just funnier in other movies this just like isn't the movie for him but also like i don't yeah like i don't think the character was quite written i don't know if it was tailored to him like it might have been written for somebody else maybe they but like they they stick to the yeah i mean they stick to the fart jokes and the the uh drug addict thing to a point where it's just not that funny anymore well i'll just say the the joke i thought with the rest of them was they're pretending to be something they're clearly not it, whether it's Tug Speedman or yeah. Robert Downey Jr. or Al Pacino or Jay Baruchel, they're all pretending to be something they aren't. And sometimes multiple layered ways in each scene. Jack Black's character is a farty, drug-addled slob. In and out of character throughout the entire movie across all these different... In the fatsos and the movie... like He only plays one level the whole time. And yeah. it's... Again, I'm not here to rewrite it. I don't know what you do, but I think Jack Black's a good actor. I think you get a guy, just give him depth. If it's something sympathetic, I don't know what it is, but you just needed to to give him something. That that wasn't my only gripe, but a, upon rewatch, it just felt like a missed opportunity. To put it in sports terms, you have Marshawn Lynch, it's third and goal in the Super Bowl, and you're not running it. It's like that, like he's just like, yeah, there's some. No, that's, that's, that's a bad analogy. Seth, I can see from your face that's a bad analogy. Not my best, but I just feel like you, you, you have you have them. You have talent really there, them. yeah, and you're not getting enough out of, out of the talent you have there, which is kind of sad because it's like you're getting so much out of other people and stuff. It just doesn't feel like you're getting enough out of him. But I don't necessarily think it's like his fault. I do. He did have one line I cracked up at though, where it's like 
<laughs> he's like tied up on the tree and they all are kind of figuring out that Al Pacino is like a closet homosexual. <laughs> Jack Black's just like, I will literally suck your dick right now. <laughs> you can untie me from this tree. That, well, that I, the jelly bean joke yeah, just kept like, going. Uh, I'm sorry? I say the jelly beans joke kept going, but that was a funny one. That was actually uh, I, I, I did that, and when he he sucked, he ate the bat. Like <laughs> that the, thing plays well now, especially in the COVID era. The the bat thing. So that was the thing. Jack Black. They asked him to play big, and that's all he did. And a few times it works, but again, if it were baseball, he'd be batting two hundred, like one out of five. He's also like. Hitting. Even when they're doing the pretend acting, his like weird New York accent when he's like in the army character is like the worst thing I've ever heard. I loved it though. I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> what he says. Like I'm gonna go look at him. Yeah, yeah. He's just talking. It's like the most cartoonish way you could do it. There's just like no authenticity to it. Well, you and I one day soon we're gonna do our pod called <laughs> Offensive Accents. Hollywood just pissing everyone off because the New York accents are getting out of hand. I, I oh, watch Law and Order SVU. I've been in New York now for over 10 years, Seth. I've never heard anyone ever speak the way these cops do. I mean, if you if you watch Cuomo's uh, press conferences, I think he's starting to lay it on thick at times. I, okay, let me rephrase it. I've seen Cuomo and only the Law and Order SVU officers. I've been to Queens. <laughs> I've been to the Bronx. I've been... Maybe not Staten Island. Maybe that's where they all speak like that. I could be wrong. So, sorry, Staten Island. I know you're not listening because from the pod, but if you are, I apologize. Um, so the oh, wait, other the, like big. Sorry. I was gonna say the one thing just to note about Jack Black. I apologize for totally cutting you off, but Brandon T. Jackson. I was surprised. He's holding his own with. Uh, yeah, he's pretty funny in the movie. Yeah, he's okay. And he, they're asking him to go up against Robert Downey Jr. I think the writing really helps and also just the impl- under, implicit understanding of everyone in the audience knowing yeah. that Robert Downey Jr. is in blackface in front of this guy in real life. So <laughs> it might just... I'm not... That's not anything to take from Brandon Jackson, but he is, I think... I had a much higher opinion of his performance. I remember liking him, but going back and seeing it, I have a much higher opinion of his performance. And I, I wish he was actually in more because I think this shows maybe it's only action comedies, but he certainly has, I think the talent to be in these bigger movies. He, he's funny. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, I kind of credit Downey at times too, because he has a lot of the back and forth with him. He also like the stuff between Downey and Stiller, I think are the funniest, like give and takes throughout the movie. Um, and then that, yeah, like I guess Cruz is probably the other big performance, which is also, I mean, with the Harvey Weinstein stuff coming out now, I think that, I mean, at the time, I remember thinking this is a like a kind of a satire on Harvey Weinstein. Well, I was but gonna, now it's kind of gone to a whole other level. I was gonna ask that is supposed to be Harvey Weinstein, no? Or was it was it like Len Grossman? Uh, I mean, or Len. There's a lot. I mean, okay, so the Hollywood agents are full of rich Jewish people. But I mean, I, I would say Harvey. You mean Weinstein producers? You mean producers? Well, yes, sorry. Yeah, producers. I would say Harvey Weinstein for the last twenty to thirty years was the most well-known, I mean, producer, and he's obviously Jewish with a name like Weinstein. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's some other people. I'm sure that they're great detective work there, Seth. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But I'm just, I'm sure there's some other like uh, super producers and stuff that they're throwing into that. And I think that the Disney producer, I forget his name. Um, I want to say Bob Iger or something, but um, I know he's a guy that like is known to use a lot of um, 
veracity in meetings to test people and stuff like that. And so I think I think there's just a lot of hilarious stuff going on with that Cruz well, character. I didn't realize I thought it at the time and actually doing the research I read, he had hand prosthetics and it makes sense because his hands are huge in the movie and it sounds yeah. so weird. But the fun of this was nobody knew Tom Cruise was in this movie. And this movie had some good buzz. So you went and you saw it and you were surprised to see Tom Cruise. Also Matthew McConaughey. There are tons of we'll get to Matthew McConaughey next. <laughs> But Tom hey, Cruise playing out of character, I just thought it was so fun. You could tell Tom Cruise has clearly – I felt like he'd done business with this guy multiple times and was just happy to roast him. Like this was a producer he probably literally worked with. That was what I took out of it was I feel like Tom Cruise, oh, was, Tom Cruise was channeling someone who he hated and who he worked with and was like, I'm just going – and it is one of – this sounds like a joke. And I really mean it seriously. It's one of Cruise's best roles recently. I love the Mission Impossible movies. But this is a, something I haven't seen him do, and he was so good. I rewatched his scenes. He's so blowing intense. people he's off so the water. Yeah. He's in a different league than Bill Hader and Matthew McConaughey. We're two. Bill Hader, incredible actor. Matthew McConaughey, everyone knows he is blowing them off the <laughs> he's screen. Melting the screen at moments. He's he's so intense and so. And like I always say, look, people have a lot of opinions about Tom Cruise and his personal life, but I continue to say this. He's a good actor. Every movie he's in, all I see him doing is giving 100% and going all out into the character. And it's like, I don't know what else you want to have an actor. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about it. I had the same thought. I was coming away from it. And this is my take. Tom Cruise, for the most part, at least he's not anymore. He's no longer cramming the Scientology down our throats. Uh, he's not jumping on couches and yelling at people. And when you're not doing that and you're good at your job, people will forgive just about anything. And if your job is making awesome movies, people will forgive you. Where I'm going with this is the American dream, Tom Cruise, just we love you. You you can do – I loved American Made, great movie. That's actually one of his other great movies I think kind of gets lost. Tom Cruise is a great actor. Like all good just citizens – Keep your religious beliefs to yourself. <laughs> that's that's my only. <laughs> well, that's well said. Um, no, just keep it to yourself, like, and to, I don't have a problem. I think there's also a little bit of a meta level. Uh, Tom Cruise was in Born on the Fourth of July, which was sort of at the tail end of a lot of the Vietnam War era movies. He was he was. I think that was one of his few nominations for Best Actor, um, and I know he wanted to win it uh, for that movie. Um, and so I think it's kind of funny that in this movie, he's sort of like the producer asshole who's like running the movie. <laughs> yeah, all of his scenes, I, I think, are hilarious. There's tons of meta-ness going on here. And what's also funny is not only for the individual characters, but for the people portraying them. Even Robert Downey Jr., he was, I don't know if he was method, but he won Chaplin as a young man. Like he was very, he could have been on his path to becoming the next Daniel Day-Lewis, Russell Crowe. And um, not that he he's actually, I think. So I don't, uh, my, I've heard them. Downey's not a method guy. He, he, uh, I forget the school he came from, but it's the, it's, he comes uh, I know he had a very close relationship with Warren Beatty when he was young. And that it's that he uses his similar technique, which is more of a, it's not the, it's not the like act like a person for months on end. All it's, right. it's, I definitely missed that one. But yeah, I think like the Jack, the Jack black, we just talked about how layered all the characters are. Uh, there's tons, but I do think, yeah, like there's tons of fun one, things to like sorry. dive into. No, no, I'm sorry. I should say there's tons of things to dive into. Go ahead. Yeah, Downey, Downey's the one though that was is like 
is a serious actor and like has won Academy Awards and stuff. And so I, I like that it was like for him to show up in a comedy like this and be opposite Stiller and kind of like, I mean, it's a dicey role for him to take for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's like, it's a really dicey role for an actor like him to take. If it had gone wrong in any way, it's like, it would have come down on him. And so to, for him to kind of like manage his way through it, I think he does a pretty amazing job. Well, I forgot. I shouldn't say forgot. I knew it came out the same year. This came out like three or four months after Iron Man. So he bef- oh, the first one. So uh, the way I'm looking at it is the Iron Man. Great. This was a really bold decision. If this hadn't worked off, if this wasn't even received well, the movie could have been successful. But if he wasn't received well, yeah, it's it's hard for people to understand. Robert Downey Jr. in the '90s was a god. In the late '90s, early 2000s, had a huge fall from grace which he's totally come back from, but he was like out of movies for a while, kind of started coming back in in a very small way. And I, what I'm saying here is actors are always very cautious about the roles they take for fear of that they could derail their career. His career was derailed, but then maybe he had to make this bold move to get it back on track. I don't know. The fact he made this and Iron Man a couple months apart is, or that they came out a few months apart. It's pretty incredible. And clearly it's, done his career no wonders definitely yeah uh i mean (laughs) he he's definitely like one of the big comeback stories in hollywood but what's interesting to me about him i guess is that i feel like his acting abilities are still like if you watch him when he's young and if you watch him as an adult i actually think he's a very i don't know i mean I want to say he does a lot of the same things and it's like, I like the way he acts. I like his mannerisms and everything, but it's like, I don't think he's sort of like gone through this. Like, I don't want to say he hasn't grown as an actor, but it's like, he's, he's grown much more as a person than an actor, I guess is what I would say about him. I think I hear what you're saying. I'm not, I haven't seen all of his earlier work, but I, I do think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, he's also a person I think has always gotten by, or not gotten by, but has always just lived on a lot of natural talent. And okay, he's just one of those guys. It's funny you say that. What I was going to say was I feel like there's another gear we haven't seen. And I don't want to say it's not underwhelming and it's not disappointment. I love Robert Downey Jr. Marvel movies alone. Like, he's done it all for me. But I hear what you're saying. I feel like we haven't seen his... A beautiful mind for Russell Crowe. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen. I think his best performance is the best way to describe him. Maybe I think for me, I think it'd probably still be that Chaplin performance. Um, but maybe not. I mean, you're right. I don't know. Maybe now that he's kind of like you know coming out of the Marvel universe, it'll be interesting to see where he goes with his career. He's a. I mean, he's a very talented guy though, and it's clear. You know, even a comedy like this, he elevates the entire cast. He elevates the whole movie. I think he brings in people that might not have seen the movie and stuff. Uh, it's a lot of value for any franchise. All right. No more Dr. Doolittles for RDJ. That, and then we should be fine. Um, that was a classic bomb to bring yourself back down a little bit. Oh, that's it's got to balance out somehow. Uh, he had like two of the five biggest movies ever leading up to it. So it, it's going to come back. Okay. While we're on great side rolls. I got to throw it to my boy McConaughey. This is like in the McConaughey. This oh, might yeah. have started the McConaissance. Yeah, I was going to say, was this the movie that started the McConaissance? I think it was. So for people who don't know, Matthew McConaughey, great actor in the 90s, early 2000s. Then he just started making only really bad rom-coms and like Sahara. <laughs> Why? No one knows. <laughs> yep. But he would only make really like trashy 
I think it was an easy life for him. You know, he could take his shirt off. He could make out with a hot chick. He didn't have to do it. You know, I get it. You're making money. And he was always playing the same Peter Pan character. And this is when he was, like, at the Texas games. He was at Texas College Longhorn Games on TV in sandals and a Hawaiian T-shirt on the sideline, like, running around. Literally just living his best life. No problem. Then he makes this movie where he just totally, I feel like, rips on himself and rewatching it. His he is incredible. He is the scene stealer between him and Tom Cruise. This is like an old time. But yeah. fun fact: Do you know who's supposed to be in this role but dropped out? Um, I do not. Owen Wilson. Oh, I could see that. Okay. Owen Wilson. I'm happy. Pat- I'm happy it was McConaughey to tell you the truth. Owen Hill. So rewatching. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but when you first introduced to him, one of his like beautiful aides or whatever brings him this book or file, and I didn't notice it before. But this time, when he, it's a book of vintage porn, like women in the fifties, and they all have huge boobs, and it's like women over a bike and doing all these weird like things, and it's it's just this random little thing. I was like, where the hell did this come from? My other favorite thing is when he's talking to uh, Tug about adoption, and he gets really he's like, serious. I'm stuck with Mike. Yeah, at least you get to choose yours. I'm stuck with mine. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, he is so good. And then talk about, like, where I'm going with this. All that happens in about 40 seconds. He's like, comes in, and his whole thing is, he's joking around the whole time. Or not joking, he's just kind of like this airhead. And he finds out that Tug doesn't have TiVo and he flips out and is like through lines in the rest of the movie is just freaking out about TiVo. Just, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant role. And this role and the... So like every scene in his office, he's playing uh, like a Nintendo Wii tennis and golf. And so he's always like bowling or something. <laughs> he's never actually paying attention to his phone call. It's amazing. He, he and Cruz are great, and it was so against type at the time, and it's it's just funny to think this was 10 years ago, and I still love them for these roles, and I think it's paid huge dividends for them afterwards, at least with like our audience. Definitely. I, I yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, and I, I mean, it's like he, then he has that period, I think it's like he has that, uh, what was the AIDS movie, and then um, <laughs> he does that, and he does True Detective, and it was like he was right back in the saddle, I want to say. Lincoln Lawyer, my favorite, then he started... Then he just started making Lincoln commercials, and that kind of ended the reconnaissance. True, De- True Detective season one, I think he actually was like in a found found his like zone for a little bit. I think that loss to Walter White for the second. So what Breaking Bad did was they took the final season and they split it into two seasons, so they could win double the awards. And a <laughs> real a real victim of that was Matthew McConaughey. I truly think he deserved the award. That was an award to. That was an award Breaking Bad got for the overall performance, and I think pretty sure he won. Cranston won multiple, but Matthew McConaughey in True Detective season one is the best thing about it, and it's one of my favorite shows. And I think it's so integral to the series' success and season success. He deserved it, and my favorite thing about it was when he lost his face. It looked like someone pissed in his milk, and Liza and I were watching it, and you could see his face. And I appreciate how honest he was in that moment. He, there was no acting. You, you could see in his face how, how pissed he is. And he had well, he won, I mean, he won his Oscar for that AIDS movie, so he's doing fine. But no, he, he needs the EGOT. You get him in halfway to an EGOT. Those are overrated. 
<laughs> well, you you expect McConaughey to win a Grammy one of these days? Why not? Well, the Tony is the one I'm really worried about. I would I would put money on his Tony before his Grammy. Um, you can you can win Grammys for like voice voice books. I think Barack Obama won it for doing reading his doing like the audio work on his voice book. Oh well, those are bullshit. It's got to be music. You know, it's got to be an actual recorded song or something. Oh, um, look at you, Seth, just coming in, <laughs> redetermining the EGOT. Um, um, oh, the other, uh, did you want to talk about, um, Dan, I thought Danny McBride and Nolte are both actually pretty funny, too, and they're little side parts. They were, they're great. They're, I just, like, I always forget Danny McBride's in this, and Nick Nolte. And this is kind of his first movie, I think, Danny McBride. This is before Eastbound and Down. This is before he really takes off, and he was great in this. Yeah. And one of the things in my notes that I put down was that this film does a great job of juggling. It's completely outlandish, but they have enough characters in there to ground you. And funny enough, it's like Jay Baruchel, Al Pacino, and Danny McBride's helicopter flying munitions expert just so happen to be the three who are actually grounded, like somewhat grounded. And even though they're all weird and eccentric in their own ways. Uh, I love the I like the I love the Nolte meta-ness where it's like he's supposed to be this four leaf guy that got his hands blown off in Vietnam, but he's actually just a total fraud that uh, wears these like gloved hooks. Well, I love he's an, like, he's an actor who lost himself in the role. Oh, that, that's what that, he is. Well, that's, that makes sense. That was kind of my take. You're 100 percent right, but my take was he was like he's what happens when Lazarus loses his malgum. Like he's just like so. But I thought the whole character was great. The whole premise. What I loved about it is it makes the movie that much dumber. He'd never been to Vietnam. He just wanted to take these guys. It was a complete suicide mission. Steve Coogan as the director. The best parts are with the director, Nick Nolte. Um, and then you get to see Danny McBride. I, I thought those three were great. And now a word from our audience. Tran. So I liked... Brandon Suhu is Tran. I liked him. Uh, I thought it was funny. I don't think it's the perfect. I liked the performance. I liked the actor. I thought he did a lot. He's a lot of physical comedy. You're asking him to go up against Jack Black and Ben Stiller and be he's the centerpiece of a lot of these big scenes, a lot of actors. I thought he yeah, did. Yeah, I came away with this feel. I was like I was wondering if it would have played better if we if there was another sort of named comedic actor kind of in that part. But I do like he plays well when you first meet him, and then when he's sort of beating up Stiller, it plays okay. It's also this is sort of like the roughest part with the Stiller simple Jack stuff. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. We we talk about sometimes characters who are used as Swiss Army knives or to kind of fit multiple things. That I like it. I, I hear your complaint though. I feel like it's he's being asked to do too much. Oh, he's a kid. Ben Stiller wants a kid. There's like, oh, it makes sense. He would be a fan of Simple Jack. He wouldn't get pick up yeah, nuance yeah. or make fun of it. Um, but then you're also point. But then you also want him to be this real physical, dangerous threat. And at a certain point, like that's the thing. The movie, the movie is funny, but there is also there does feel like there should be this real sense of danger. And yeah, once you're in a real like 
whatever heroin processing plant out there in Laos or something. It's like it, it feels like that should be very real. And I thought the kid kind of took a little bit away from that, where it's like if you play that part real, I think the comedy actually is enhanced, maybe. Well, it feels like this is kind of a good pivot to possibly move into gripes because this is kind of we're kind of swimming around one of the things I wanted to talk about. Sure. I'm going to get on my familiar soapbox here, Seth. This is a movie that is severely lacking in females. And I think a possible fix here could have been maybe don't get a kid. Maybe it's a female leader. And you get some funny Asian female comedian to be, or actress, to be the main character. And then maybe it's she's trying to court Tug Speedman. And you didn't... Mm. Or she's a simple Jack fan. You could just plug and play. Yeah, I mean, that's a good. I like that little rewrite there. I think that would play a little bit better. Um, yeah, another woman. I will. You know, I'm not gonna. There should be more females in this movie, but it is a based on a war movie, I guess, where it'd be mostly males. But under like, there's a lot of other stuff going on on the movie set, so it's like there could have been some more female characters for sure. That and the the female one is a, is just a minor gripe because. I may be projecting here or giving it too much credit. I do imagine, to your point, this is supposed to be a parody of those war films. And I know that frequently on the making of them, they'll send the guys on boot camp. I imagine that I could see, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some of these. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of cookies also just to the war. There are parts where I'm like, wow, this is like, there's a part where Stiller's wearing a bandana exactly like the one De Niro wears in uh, The Deer Hunter. Then there's a a part where he does the pose that uh, Willem Dafoe does in Platoon, basically. So what I was thinking was, I'm sure there's, I doubt there are tons of women with the filming of those films in the actual jungle. So that's the one thing I, 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 it's not, I'm not going to bang the drum as loudly as I thought, but to bring it back, I thought. The reason I did that was the lack of women was kind of, not, uh, it's a little glaring. It's not the worst thing in the world. That sounds awful even saying that. You guys know what I mean. Where The other thing, though, is a better central villain. They, they just needed someone to kind of bounce, to bounce more stuff off of. And I thought you could have introduced that kid. What I thought they were going to do, I'm sorry, I'm rewriting it. Introduce that kid, maybe show him have a parent, or just show why he was dangerous. It was just kind of a gap there, and yes, this movie's totally ridiculous, so it, it doesn't ruin it for me, but they, <laughs> they they could have either, I don't want to say filled out the kid more, I don't know what you do with the 12-year-old, but I'm just saying I agree with you. I think there was room to maybe engineer the conflict a little differently once they're in. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do, like, all that said, though, I do actually really like the scene where uh, Downey and Stiller confront each other at, at that plant, and it's like Stiller's stuck inside of a simple Jack character, and Downey's still, like, doing his accent for his character in the war movie, and they're both sort of, like, having this meta, and uh, like, uh, identity breakdown. <laughs> it's incredible. Every scene between them is great, and it really builds, and, like, they build and build, and the finale's great. Uh, let me refer... I meant more so with like the characters. The actual finale, I really like. Like, I think it's funny they do this great yeah. job of they have action without actually having action because <laughs> one side doesn't have guns. And it was one of the things that I really liked at the movie. And I remember it kind of appreciating this initially, but really upon rewatch, this is a straight up action film. Yeah, and there's really not that much violence, and there's not like that much action even within that world. It's mostly 
there's a couple bombs that accidentally blow people up, but it's literally all lights and flash. It's like mirrors. It's movie magic, and it's not actual violence. And I just think it's a really funny, even on that concept, it twists the, it's an action comedy, and it's not really subverting the action element, too. It did. When I, there are parts of it that actually look really good, uh, particularly in the first sequence that look, I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff going on, but they're doing a lot of cool stuff effects-wise. And it made me wonder how much the total like effects budget for the movie was. Because then they also kind of do this big finale. They blow up a bridge. McConaughey stops an RPG with a TiVo. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's pretty, it's funny. It's, I, it's, uh, that's another thing I, I thought was interesting about the movie is like, it's so hard to sort of get the budgets for those big action, action movies. But then to get the green light to use them in comedic ways is tricky. And to make it work comedically and still be like catching to the eye and stuff. I think all that, I, I credit Stiller, actually, for uh, kind of pulling all that off. It's really hard to do. Yeah, you you said it, to be an action sequence and have spectacle and deliver spectacle and humor at the same time. Right, and yeah, make the producers trust that it's going to be funny and action. It's like, it's hard to make someone trust that that's really going to come across the right way. Well, I think you said it better than me. There's nothing I have to add there. Is there uh <laughs> Is there anything else? I think we nailed all the... Oh, Jay Baruchel. I was going to ask. For me, Jay oh, yeah. Baruchel, he he's is the good. everyman. I don't know if he's necessarily a trope. I don't think I like necessarily a Hollywood archetype. I, I think he's supposed to be the everyman that you can kind of inhabit. But I was going to... I'm asking you. Is, is that what you see? Well, but I liked his character of, like, he's a guy that's, like... He's an actor that hasn't, like, become popular yet. hasn't crossed over yet. And he feels like he's finally got himself into this movie that, like, he'll finally be a known guy but then the movie starts going to shit. And so he kind of starts like uh, descending back into his own like personality. And I, yeah, I thought it was just kind of a funny character. He's kind of the most relatable, I think for any teenage white boy or whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, I th- he, even his interactions with Downey when they're like trying to pee together, <laughs> like walk through the forest. I thought all that stuff is funny. The pee scene is incredible. <laughs> Nobody's been, Jay, Jay Baruchel just That's wants to pee and people keep bothering him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I liked all that interplay too, where it's like Stiller has the map and Downey and Baruchel are like trying to get the map and they have to like kind of convince them. And it's just like, I liked all, yeah, I like the interactions between all of them. It's, they do a great job. Again, the only thing is you, the Jack Black, Jeff Portnoy character just kind of there. He's like really just like a yeah, uh, just ant on the log right for away. most of it. Just not really yeah. get mixing it up with the rest of them. But it's uh, the overall dynamic was great. Is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of gripes or uh, any other characters we want to call out? Um, I you know Steve Coogan. I'm kind of hot and cold with that guy. What are you a fan of Steve Coogan? I feel like you could have gotten somebody a little funnier to be that director. You know, like if Will Ferrell's the director of that movie, I think that plays better. Vince Vaughn is the director? Yeah, oh. yeah. Somebody that, you know, I thought Steve Coogan's sort of an interesting choice there. What'd Steve Coogan, I have a similar relationship with him. I think he's funny. I think he's great in The Other Guys. And yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He, he's great in some roles, not great in others. This is kind of my takeaway. He works... In this movie, he plays big. And in a movie with big things, it just doesn't really... I feel like he's getting blown off the screen. He just doesn't... He's not being able... He's not able to play up. But he gets punched in the face by the key grip. And that key grip <laughs> had more charisma than him. And the guy doesn't have a line. His best scene, honestly, is him getting punched in the face. Yeah. it's And to me, 
he he isn't bringing the energy to a lot of these scenes, and he's trying to, and I think it comes off. I like Coogan when he does less. I think with him, less is more. He's naturally funny, and I think he's just kind of naturally goofy, and I think it's also, he's a little more reserved, and I think he plays better letting other people's craziness bounce off of him as opposed to trying to bounce the crazy off of other people. I kind of wondered if maybe there were some deleted scenes with him, because I think he's supposed to be a trope of like a British director who's trying to do something like way out of his league or something. And I think they kind of like, I don't think they just, I just think they kind of like had too much to do to kind of like give him any background. The first cut was over three hours. So yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was tons. I, there are probably characters who weren't even in the movie who were cut. There could have been a whole bunch of females who were cut. So yeah, I don't know if he was specifically part of it. I think you're right. though. It would make sense to me. I get the feeling that there was a whole bunch of going on in that room before he gets punched in the face. Like when the key get punches him in the face, oh, I feel yeah. like there was a whole subplot with Bill Hader. Oh, I do love that's a great scene. Chris just like, "Where's the director? Where's the key grip? Okay, you punch him in the face." <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny scene. It's um, and though yeah, the 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 di- dichotomy just of some of the scenes. Dichotomy never the word. Just the way it's set up, the scenes, the scenes themselves are so much fun. Like it feels like I'm kind of losing myself here. I'm getting too. too, what too well, I guess the one, one other thing I wanted to ask you was like, I get one of the things the whole movie hinges on is the part where Steve Coogan steps on the landmine, and it's like Stiller kind of convinces most of these guys that it was a movie magic thing, and that they're all still filming, and they, they should still make this movie. And Downey's the one guy who's kind of like, this guy's dead. Like, there's no motion picture going on. Like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> and I was kind of, I was kind of like, I mean, maybe I guess they do a good enough job of showing that these actors are like airheads and stuff that they would just go along and keep making the movie. But I don't know. I, I when I watched it this time, I wondered about that scene. And it's like, as as a viewer, you kind of have to buy it and just watch the rest of the movie. But it's like it's a it's a tricky little. I wondered how that was like in the writing room and development, and just like if they really thought they were going to be able to pull that off with effects and everything. What's funny? I mean, there there are a million ways to write it. There, they could have done it that he just walked off and was killed out of view from that. Like there are a lot of ways they could have done it. But I, that's not answering your question. To answer your question. I think it makes sense, even without you and I clearly see a lot of movies, but even the most basic fan understands that most actors have a reputation for being vapid and and kind of, and this movie doesn't go into it, but the idea of being hoarded around or herded around by your publicists or your handlers or your agents, I could, for me, it wasn't too far a leap, especially for Tug Speedman. Just the way I read it, you had the three junior actors, JV actors. Yeah. We're totally caught off guard, but we're going with the flow because the A actor, Tug Speedman, was telling them this is normal. And in that same vein, they should have been a little more alarmed when Kirk Lazarus, the other A-list actor, is like, no, this guy's dead. But uh, <laughs> I, I think for me, it wasn't too far a leap, especially the, the three characters that they led with, especially those three characters Oh, like Jay Baruchel always oh, new to movies. Oh, is this how you do it? Like, oh, maybe that's how they like. I could see the other three going along with it. I, I, I to me, that scene makes sense. And understanding those characters, I, I kind of get it. All right. Well, yeah. It's like at the end of the day, it, I get it's a, it's just it's a. 
again, I guess the whole movie's meta, and that's another scene where it's like, if actors saw a body blow up on set, would they realize that it was like a real thing or would they think it's effects? And it's like, I guess you wouldn't know. Like, you're just an actor on a set. Like, maybe you wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing, too. It's like, what are they paying attention to? What are they not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Um, the only other the only other thing I want to bring up, and this is a gri- this was not a gripe. This is a, re- a huge like. The opening of the movie. Oh, the it's previews. The the fake previews. So the previews end, and I remember I love this in the actual theaters. I thought it was so clever. So in the theaters, and I, I remember when you're actually watching the movie, I went on opening night. I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure they did it in a way that there is no delineation between the fake previews and the real previews. No, yeah, you don't even get the, usually you get like the, whatever, the MGM screen or the, you know, Fox, but it's like, even before that, they do the previews. I noticed that when I watched it last night, where it was like, yeah, it was meant to look like a regular preview in a theater. It is so funny, the Satan's Alley thing, uh, all, <laughs> they were all funny, I think it's the three of them, but you have Tug Speedman and Scorcher, which is making fun of every action franchise, yeah. sci-fi franchise yeah. ever. You have Jeff Portnoy making, which is a total rip on Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor stuff, and yeah. then the Satan's uh, Alley with Tobey Maguire. And it's like, yeah, Al Pacino has the booty sweat like commercial. Oh yeah. yeah, booty sweat. <laughs> um, it's great. It's absolutely it's genius. And this movie did a lot of fun things. They actually sold booty sweat for a while on Amazon, leading up to it. They had oh, full really? documentaries. <laughs> This movie was so smart in its marketing, and there's so many things that are smart about this movie. Um, I just love it. I was just, I, I just love the trailer. Yeah, I like, I like, I th- it was a good way to. It, it played a little better in the movie theater, I think, but it, it was a good way to sort of like start introducing stuff and like, yeah, just like all the madness that's about to take place. I think my favorite of them is the Satan's Alley thing because they do the thing where it's like. You know, Kirk Lazar is the two-time Academy Award winner, and they cut to Tobey Maguire, and they're like. One time he won the MTV Kiss Award. <laughs> That's good. By the way, what I thought was so funny for like that kiss for our generation, I think that's one of was the kiss. huge. People remember that kiss, and like there aren't many movies like that. It's not like oh the the Gone with the Wind kiss or the Casablanca kiss. Our generation doesn't have that. The upside down kiss with Kirsten Dunst was a big <laughs> iconic thing, and it was a huge thing. <laughs> and I'm definitely the biggest kiss in my. Uh, uh... <laughs> well, I also i didn't pick up on this apparently there was also a callback they were both in wonder boys so there was some extra meta-ness oh going that's on right there. they were both in that yeah um so there's some extra meta-ness there but uh that was that was the only thing i just really wanted to bring that up I, I love how clever that was and outside of those the opening trailers and the characters of <laughs> the performances of tom cruise and matthew mcconaughey and just the general relationship between Tug and Kirk. It's amazing. I love the movie. It definitely has warts, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, I like it too. I think it, I it, I was trying to think if this was Stiller's best comedy. It might be his smartest. Yeah, that might be a better way to put it, I guess. I don't know if it's his best cuz I really like some of his early stuff, like the early frat, uh frat packs, frat pack stuff. Hmm. Well, should we do final ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, do you want me to go? Sure, sure. All right. I'm coming in at this movie hard. Hard 8-5, Seth. 8-5, wow. 8-5. Uh, 
For me, uh, though, just to wrap it up quickly, I, well, I think I said everything. I love the two main performances uh, from Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller. I love the uh, supporting performances of Tom Cruise and Matthew McConaughey. And overall, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was smart. As someone who loves yeah. Hollywood, I thought it – I was picking up on enough of the jokes. I think it gave me the, the depth and layers and – to really make those extra watches impactful and keep me going. I think, yeah, I think uh, for me, Downey and Cruz, I think would be the two biggest highlights. Stiller's right there, though. Stiller's really good in the movie as an actor, but also directing this whole thing, managing all these people, all these different actors, pulling off these action sequences. It's actually, when you really think about it, it's a lot for a director to kind of do and still make the movie funny. I mean, it's not, um, comedy is not easy. A lot of times it's easier to play drama and stuff. So I think, it's a it's a great job by by Stiller, just like in terms of the production and the direction and everything. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven seven. Ooh. I think is where I'm at with it. It's a uh, it's not the most hilarious movie, I guess. There are plenty of times I'm laughing when I even when I rewatch, but I want to say, like you said, it's more of a smart comedy, more of a meta comedy, and I I think I more sort of appreciate it for what it is. It's not sort of like. It's not like Dumb and Dumber, where it's like just a rip roaring comedy for like an hour and a half or something. It's more more of a there's thoughtful moments, but there's still plenty of like easy laughs, I guess. Yeah, and the the one thing I will say is the tenor or tone of the comedy is inconsistent. It jumps from that really deep meta humor to really on your nose, plain faced physical yeah. humor to sometimes yeah. gross out humor it, it's everywhere in between smart and stupid so i i hear you i i, I hear what you're saying <laughs> uh but I, it was fun to rewatch good movie yeah it was uh i'm glad we did it we haven't done many comedies i figured it was, no, yeah, it was time sure, to get one on the that. docket um all right i think that i think i squeezed all the juice i can from from this fruit you want anything else no i think i'm good all right. Uh, uh, goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. I said it first. Nice.